Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. A very warm welcome to you to Calvary St. George's, to St. George's Church for this second Sunday of Lent. I woke up this morning and uh, thought, gosh, coronavirus and daylight savings time. Um, I'm not quite sure which is worse right now, but uh, um, uh, 2020 has been a crazy year so far. Um, It has been crazy. We've had Australian wildfires, uh, political unease and tension. We almost went to war. Uh, There is a locust infestation of biblical proportion uh, sweeping across East Africa, if you didn't know. And the coronavirus, and uh, it's reached here. And now we have Justin Bieber has a new album. I mean, it's just... And the fact is, is I love that album so much. So it's obviously I have no control. If we're being taught anything, it's that we have... Have no control. But we do know the one who is completely in control. We do know him. And he meets us here. And he makes himself known to us in the breaking of the bread by the Spirit. And this is really um, uh, so you have these two religions, these two ways of doing things things that have us in control, and things that recognize. God is the one who's in control. And this really is the heart of our gospel reading today. Religion from below versus religion from above. Religion from below, it makes you the protagonist. This is, this is every other religion in the world. It has you as the protagonist in your relationship with God. It is up to you to climb the spiritual ladder and get God's attention And when religion from below masquerades itself as Christianity, grace, it becomes a noun, a little bit of Jesus juice to kind of get you over the hump, to help you transform yourself from sinner to saint, to move you from vice to virtue, with the hopes that on your own effort, or maybe some sort of cooperation with God, you may get a glimpse of of that beatific vision. And if not that, then maybe, you know, through some sort of partnership or you doing your part, God will scratch your back and help fulfill a couple of your wishes or maybe just get you out of that financial, that relational and or vocational rut you seem to be in and can't get out. Give me a little shot of grace, God. little Jesus juice to empower me out of that hill. Or over that hill. My friend David Zoll wrote about this kind of religion from below in his book Seculosity. And if you haven't read it, I really recommend it. It's it's brilliant. And he writes, listen carefully and you'll hear that word enough everywhere. Especially when it comes to the anxiety, loneliness, exhaustion, and division that plague our moment to such tragic proportions. You'll hear about people scrambling to be successful enough, happy enough, thin enough, wealthy enough, influential enough, desired enough, charitable enough, woke enough, good enough. We believe instinctively that were we to reach some benchmark in our minds, then value, vindication, and love would be ours. 
that if we got enough, we would be enough. This is my first point. Religion from below is summed up by the question, what must I do to be enough? And when religion from below masquerades itself as Christianity, it is, what must I do to get blank from God? Religion from below has you as the protagonist and God in the role of supporting caste. St. Paul speaks to this in his epistle to the Romans. If Romans was a mountain range, chapter 4 would be one of its great peaks. In a systematic way, what St. Paul does is he is defining what Jesus means in our gospel reading, what it means to be born from above or to be born again. And let me tell you, this phrase is going to come up big time in the next year. You know, well, we're the born-again Christians are all getting behind so-and-so, or the born-again Christians are doing this. And let me tell you, to be a Christian is to be born again. We're not going to allow it to be co-opted by the political American culture. But so, St. Paul is addressing this what it is to be born again. And in Romans chapter 4, in a very systematic way, he defines this. And St. Paul is answering the question of, how are you counted righteous before God? While everything in your life still points to the fact that it's out of control. While everything, St. Paul is answering the question, how are you enough before God? when everything is pointing to the fact that you're not enough. Life isn't turning out the way you imagined. And for St. Paul, the answer to this question is at the very heart of the gospel. And therefore, it's at the very heart of Christianity. The Jews of St. Paul's day were saying the gospel, this so-called religion from above, is a made-up religion. It makes no sense. And indeed, to those of us who are natural instincts, and that's everybody, our religion is from below, it doesn't make any sense. This is why Nicodemus is like, how is any of this you're talking about, Jesus, possible? Yet Jesus and St. Paul are saying, this isn't a new religion. Jesus says, "Uh, and you're a teacher of Israel and you still do not understand these things? St. Paul is addressing this. Indeed, it's still true today. In Judaism today, they read the Torah through the lens of piety. They begin at Moses. And St. Paul's opponents, through the lens of Moses, beginning with Moses, not Abraham, began to teach there must have been something about Abraham that made him enough. You know that great song from The Sound of Music, Julie Andrews? There must have been somewhere in my youth, I must have done something good. There must have been something about Abraham that was good. And if you read our epistle reading today, it's really fascinating. Because God says, leave everything behind and go to this land that I'm going to show you, and I will bless you. And Abraham does leave, but who comes along? Lot. The ripple effects of this are massive. But, you know, Abraham doesn't say, you know, Lot, come on, I've got to do this alone. He's like, "Ah, I guess that means everybody but Lot. But St. Paul writes, 
For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Not before God. St. Paul wants his hearers to know that Christianity is not a new religion, but the fulfillment of Judaism. From Genesis to Revelation, it is about being from above. God as the protagonist. You as the object of what the subject is doing upon you. St. Paul writes, for what does the scripture say? He writes that there. That's very key because he's making his case and he's rooting it back in Torah. He appeals to the Jewish text, not his feelings, not his ideas, but he roots it in the scripture. And what is revolutionary is, is he begins not with Moses and the law, but with Abraham. Genesis chapter 15, the man who's given a mission that is so impossible and so ridiculous, in his old age you will be the father of many nations, that it's so ridiculous, he's like, I believe you, God. And that is credited to him as righteous. You have to do this, God. And that is credited as righteous. That's it. And the part that our lectionary cut out is David, another horrible, horrible scandal, scandalous individual. But he's given this unconditional covenant that his throne will last forever. You have to do it, God. You have to do it. Abraham focuses on the unconditional covenants. What St. Paul is driving home here in Romans 4 is that true religion, religion from above, tells us that God is the protagonist who climbs down the ladder over and over and over and over again to meet humanity, to meet you right where you're at. And therefore, grace is not a noun. Grace becomes a verb. What God does to you in order to reckon you righteous. Entirely on account of that faith alone. Religion from above says this. You give me all of your sin. All of it. And I'll exchange it for all of my righteousness. You stop trying to be enough for me, and you'll hear that you are enough because Christ is enough for you. And this is my second point. In Romans chapter 4, St. Paul is articulating what it is to be born again. What it is to be reckoned as righteous before God. And it's not doing stuff for God. Rather, it is by being completely dependent on Christ for righteousness as the receiving of the righteousness. If you depend on God's righteousness alone, it's yours completely. That is religion from above. That is the content of Christianity. That is what it is to be born again. You are totally dependent on Christ's righteousness to reckon you as righteous before God. And therefore, it's freely given to you. And you are. And that's enough said. But I can't, because I'm a preacher. So, um, that good news, 
that you are enough on account of Christ. That good news, it lifts burdens. It gives joy. It continues to create faith when all the evidence around us points to the contrary. But then how do you know in the midst of all of this chaos, you know, especially the chaos of our own like existential lives? How will I know if he really loves me, sang Whitney Houston. You didn't know she was talking about God and that that was originally a praise song. But um, that was supposed to be really funny. Um, But uh, nobody laughed. But anyway, um, but how do you know this? How do you know this? Well, because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that he who believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God came into the world not to condemn it, but to save the world. Do not look to yourself. Do not curve inward. But allow, as the psalmist says, to lift your eyes up unto the mountain, from where that mountain being Calvary, from where your help comes from, from where your salvation comes from. This is how you know you've been reckoned righteous in God's eyes. Because whoever believes in him, desperately trusts the promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation by his death and resurrection, will not perish but have eternal life. And this is a beautiful thing. I was talking about this with another dad. Our daughters are tweens and we're getting into pop music. And um, he discovered that his daughter had a song that he didn't think was appropriate called Issues. I forget who it was. It came out in 2017 and the name is slipping my mind. But essentially the chorus goes, you know, I have issues and so do you. Um, You give me your issues and I'll give you mine too. And I was like, what a horribly codependent, like, just destructive relationship this is. And um, yes, your daughter probably shouldn't listen to it, which means that she'll eventually, if you're from the 90s, will have a mixtape with it on, you know, secretly hidden. But anyway, I'm the only one whose parents didn't let them listen to every song they wanted. But anyway, um, this is the thing. There is a great exchange that takes place here. God takes your issues and he gives you his righteousness. And you know this Because Christ has died for you. Christ has risen for you. And he's coming again for you. And that reckoning of righteousness comes to you by water and the spirit in your baptism. And is assured just as you take the bread and the wine. And religion from above coming down to be with us. That's where it meets us right now. Because Jesus has come to be with one of us, to be born as we are born, to live as we live, to suffer, bleed, and die as we suffer and die. And he rises again to assure you that you've been made the righteousness of God. And this is my third point. How do you know that you've been reckoned reckoned righteous, even though everything says something else? Look to Christ. You've been baptized in Christ, which means from God's vantage point, you've been declared legally dead to sin and now raised completely innocent in Christ. And this goes against all of our instincts because we are by nature from below. And you can't touch it. You can't measure it. You can't 
do anything but hear it and hear it from me today. Jesus, the one who is from above, comes down to us who are from below that we might be born from above and share his life, his death, his victory, and his glory. This is God's love for the world. This is God's love for you. And this is how it always looks from above. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.